0: Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, I'm excited to be back in the saddle here at the housing hour after a small hiatus to Florida for spring break. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, maybe you're listening into the future, um, we're recording here in March. So um, anyway, we're excited to have the opportunity to come in and speak with you. This show is provided by Mortgage Investors Group. Um, You can contact MIG by going to MIGonline.com or giving us a ring at 1-800-489-8910 and uh, we're just excited because today I have a couple of, of my friends from Facebook, actually. Yeah. And you guys remember John Lindsay, who is the co-founder and co-creator of the East Tennessee Weather Page. And with that, we have had a lot of interest. And it's one of the things that I love to do. When I'm not doing something like watching sports or um, playing with the kids or doing something for work, I'm looking at weather models and I'm anticipating what's coming and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, well, especially during the winter, if we're going to get snow, how many inches could we possibly get? And it's always just a fun conversation. But in the meantime, John and I have been uh, administering this Facebook page for a while now, I guess. And John said, you know what? Hey, I've got a buddy. I knew through church, sort of, just because, and we're going to talk about how the connection was there with our Facebook um, contest that he won a couple of years ago, but we said, you know what? He said, I've got this guy who loves weather, and he's the guy who won, and why don't you explain to us how he came into the, in, introduce him?
2: Well, David knew what he was talking about, for starters. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> it, it helps when you have somebody right. knowledgeable. Uh-huh. Um, so... Uh, we had a, I guess we had a a show here a few years back, and mm-hmm. we we had thrown out a a little contest that said, right. "Go ahead and put some of your interesting stories out. Tell us something. You know, what why are you passionate about the weather and things of that nature?" Mm-hmm. And and uh, and Dave responded, and it was this really ni- it was a great article. I mean, mm-hmm. it just really was. I mean, right, and and, uh, and so. Uh, he was chosen, uh, for that one, uh, a, a, a really nice weather station, uh, which, which we continue to, you know, to to monitor and look at and, 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 and watch, uh. Uh, throughout the season but uh, uh you know, david's just very knowledgeable
1: mm-hmm. about the weather and mm-hmm.
2: uh so well, i'm glad uh,
1: we have somebody that is i really am <laughs> it's one of those things because kevin loves
2: kevin kevin he, he's not kidding he yeah. loves the weather and yeah. and and so the the little message system will basically just start blowing up on so what do you think we're going to get what do you right. think and so you know right. we're we're talking back and forth and you know staring at the models and stuff and then it's 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 a why don't we get David in here and David can David can tell us whether you know whether we know what we're talking about or not? So it's a uh, David. He's a valuable resource.
1: Well, first, thank you for coming in, David, and being a part of the show. You're welcome. All right, and he already told us he's not a big talker, so we're going to work him in and warm him up. But um, just to, to take a step back, to the Facebook page was created because first of all, it was a passion of mine. But then I remember John. I think in a thread that we were on David Aldridge's page. And you sent me a message and said, you know, it would be cool if we just, you know, somebody should start a forum or something like that. And I said, well, let's do that, you know? (laughs) And so before you knew it, we, we kicked off the Facebook page and then you were posting to it. And I said, you know what, John, it would be easier if I just made you an admin (laughs) so you could post as the page. Um, And if you're looking for the page, by the way, um, right now, if you're in your car, don't do that. But if you are listening to it, maybe later go, you can just type into Facebook, East Tennessee weather page, and it'll pull right up. So I made John an admin of the page, and and John has been the sole admin. I've added a few things here and there. Like when it would snow, I added a, f- a few videos and, and some <laughs> things like that. But he's really dedicated to it. And, and, you know, the East Tennessee weather page is for weather fans, It's for people also who want to anticipate big weather events that are coming up. And it's also for people that are want to prepare for serious weather. You know, we also post things like that. So after a couple of years, that's when John came to me and we brought David in the fold. And then he posted a couple of posts, if you recall, and they were very succinct. And I was like, and I looked because I could tell, I said, John didn't post that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But David had really give, get, given a great analysis of, you know, what the potential snow is going to be or whatever. And then it it went viral. Maybe, maybe flew, but it was, it was viral in my mind because we had like 60 shares on it and it was going crazy. So that's where, for those of you who are listening, that's where we all come from. So we have David Manuel is that how you say your last name and then John Lindsay and then me, Kevin Ray Um, And we we admin the page. So if you're commenting on something on our page or if you're sending a message, it's going to be one of us who may or may not respond. (laughs) So that's our setup. Now, I know people probably are wondering, you know, why did you start the page? What is so interesting about um, this whole aspect of weather? And so. David, if you don't mind, could you just tell us, because I know you're passionate about it, especially the comments that I've seen you make, and we've been on threads back and forth, and you really understand it. Where did that come from
3: for you? You know, as a child, I used to look to the sky a lot, and um, I've always felt like my feet haven't been on the ground. Anything Mm. to do with the heavens, whether it be astronomy, Mm. flying, or weather, I'm just genuinely interested in those things. I want to know what makes it tick. And as a child, I would get the newspaper because that's where we would get weather from. And they had the outline of the uh, continental United States, and they would have the the green for rain, blue for snow, and little graphics on there. Um, I would trace it on a piece of paper and make my own forecast wow. and so do that over and over. And uh, there were probably more wish casting than anything because I wanted the snow, so I would, like, draw draw the snow over top of Tennessee. Heavy snow.
1: Right. <laughs> and that never came true. Well, I did some. When I was younger, it came true.
3: Yeah, it it came true. It seemed like more when we were younger than it does now. Yeah, And uh, so I'm really wishing for uh, some good ones. I know the last couple of winters have been duds for the snow lovers, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, that doesn't mean it's going to happen that way next winter.
1: Now, has that passion for you evolved over time? In other words... You know, things that I did when I was younger, when I didn't have a family, I was able to participate more in. And now that I have a family, it has not allowed me maybe to do as much as I wanted to do in some uh, in some people's lives. And that may be one of us here. I don't know. um, It's allowed you because even with a family, you still need a hobby. You know, your your kids or your wife don't want you to be on top of, you know, making them do things all the time. You need to have some hobbies. So how was it for you as you have sort of evolved? In your sure.
3: Um, you know, probably the, the uh, middle school, high school years, I probably went away from it a little bit. But mm-hmm. what has changed in, in recent years is the amount of information that we can get on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't get access to models when I was a child right. or when I was a teenager. But now the average person can grab all kinds of models. There are weather forums where... Uh, meteorologists uh, post their ideas and you can learn a lot. In fact, I know John was talking about how knowledgeable I am, but the, the greatest part about this is how much I don't know, and mm. every time a storm comes through, I learn something else that I didn't know.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and Mark, did you know Galileo?
3: <laughs> I'm just kidding. You mean the wine?
1: <laughs> no, but you, but, and, and we're just going to move around the table because um, David is our, really, our, our, I would say, our, our expert. John is an expert, but he he's probably more along the line of the sort of, hey, this is a hobby and I want to understand it and I want to learn about it. And you know m- more than I do, but maybe not as much as David, right? Would you say that's fair? Oh, I'd say that's very fair, <laughs> yeah. sure. Oh well, thanks. No, <laughs> <just kidding>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Mark, I remember and, and and Mark, I do want you to chime in here. We only have a couple minutes left in the segment. When we get to the other side, we'll bring mine and John's in. But Mark, I remember when I was working out of the Oak Ridge office. Um, you were always very interested in <clears throat> the snow. You were you were a subscriber to AccuWeather's yes, like pro- professional, right. which which I wasn't even. So I got a trial of it. Um, but I
4: did it for scouting right? Okay. because a lot of times when we go out on hikes or go out on backpacking or, you know, whatever, you need to know what the weather is. So I, I always was kind of the meteorologist, make sure that we weren't going to get somewhere that we couldn't get out.
1: Right. Yeah. Because if the snow came in and you were up there in one of the Smoky Mountain areas. Well, you, you know, just, get...
4: just even in Andersonville, there's a, you know, Camp Pellissippi up there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's deep to get in. So if it snows a couple of inches, you're stuck with a bunch of, you know, young boys. And that's not always a good thing.
1: <laughs> no, <that's laughs> (laughs) definitely. (laughs) Definitely not. So, John, um, and we may have to carry this over because I'm not sure how much time we have left, but um, your passion about weather is so clear to me. Like, even from the beginning, I saw how interested that you were, and I was so glad to make that connection because we both go to the same church, and I knew that we had mutual friends, and then I also do video at church, and I was able to to get to know you through that. But what are you most passionate about? Why Why are you passionate about weather?
2: I think to me weather is is one of those just universal it's one of the, it's like food mm-hmm. in some cases everybody's got an opinion mm-hmm. there's something they really like there's something they really don't like mm-hmm. and so you have this polarizing topic that affects our life in just every way imaginable mm-hmm. whether it's from people planning events weddings things of that nature sporting events uh, uh, to to the to the sheer power of it and yet as technological as we've become as as a society uh, yeah. um we still can't seem we're still chasing that answer we we can't predict it and mm-hmm. it's uh uh so it's it's just fascinating in that sense so i guess it's trying to understand you know the the, the unknown mm-hmm. uh, to some extent uh know in, in a way that it affects all of our all of our lives so
1: mm. it's just fascinating that's a very good point because it does affect all of us and we all have different likes and dislikes you know what i might like which is heavy snow <laughs> somebody else might and i always have found that interesting everybody has a different you're exactly right my aunt susan for instance doesn't like the snow but i love the snow you know i i love the whole idea of it so that's an interesting take on that and we get back from um this commercial break we're going to I'm going to probe a little more because I want to know a couple of other things from John. And then I'll give you a little bit about the, why I'm so passionate about it. Um, and you may be listening and you may be interested in knowing more about East Tennessee weather, or you might want to add to the conversation. We'd love for you to go onto our Facebook page. You can like our page and then you can also, you can post to it as well. And we would be more than happy to interact with you. I, I see people posting all the time and the responses are come very, very quickly, or you can also send a message and we'll respond to that as well. But you're listening to The Housing Hour on WOKI. Come back right after these messages.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: And welcome back into The Housing Hour. I am Kevin Ray. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Um, you can find our show on thehousinghour.com. You can go there and listen to our show, past shows, share those with friends and family. We'd love for you to have uh, the opportunity to engage with us. Uh, we are always interested in looking to explore new topics um we have a great treasure trove of information that we have um sort of over the years collected we've had a variety of different personalities on the show um including the very our very own john Lindsay has been on the show with matt Hinkin, which was a great time wasn't a lot of fun and i always feel guilty when i share david aldridge's stuff because i'm like oh matt didn't see that (laughs) 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 because he was just our guy you know and um and how nice of him to come on you know and That was really a a fun, interesting show. But, John, going back to your passion about um, weather, because, you know, the thing I like about our area, and I've done this before, is that it doesn't snow here, right? This is when I was um, doing a different job within the same company. If it didn't snow here, I'd say, you know what, I'm going to see snow. So I would drive up, and I would go, by golly, there would be six or eight inches up there. If it didn't snow down here, there's going to be snow at Cleveland's Dome, or it's going to be snow up there. But those are the type of things that I do. But can you talk a little bit more about as you – kind of the same question I have for David. As you've gotten older and as you – because you have a family. We have like 52 kids or something. At least. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so, so how many kids you – This do week. You and April have how many kids together? Uh, we've got six. Six kids. Oh, my word. So you have a lot of things you're juggling there. But as you have gotten older, tell me how your passion has evolved.
2: Well, so my – my my grandparents, uh, Fred and Ruth Hamby, um, they just loved the snow more so probably my grandmother because she was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. and so if there was snow coming, <laughs> she would just get really excited. So I love it. Um, so uh, we would have you know many conversations about well, what do you think it's going to do and what do you think it's going to do. And of course, you know, you had the the weather radio, mm-hmm. you know, the little mechanical voice coming on, you know, that just kind of looped, right. and you had the six o'clock. And the 11 o'clock. And there wasn't a lot of, as David was saying, there's not the information we have now. Mm-hmm. And so as as things, you know, progressed into, I guess, uh, you know, this huge information age, mm-hmm. uh, you're just saturated with, uh, you know, weather models and things of that nature. So it's, it's, it's very satisfying if mm-hmm. you're looking at the data and you're trying to, to follow that. And then there's still that kid in you that's just, you know, thinking – Wow, if we would have had weather models like this back mm-hmm. in you know the eighties or whatever um so it's uh i guess in that sense it's really again it's a polarizing topic it- affects everybody, mm-hmm. and with all this information um you you just can't help but get sucked into it because mm-hmm. i i I know when we we were talking about this amongst ourselves uh back i guess probably uh uh Oh, probably two or three weeks ago when we first saw this, because we've been looking for this snow, because it's been, it's felt like yeah. spring since like January. Right. And so we've been staring at this thinking, it's not over. Wait for right. it. They say, I'm looking out 15 days. There might be something, you know. Right. And so there's this big, you know, snow scavenger hunt on the models right. that's going <laughs> on between the three of us. And we see this, um, so we see this kind of coming, and, and we we post. Are, are we sure we want to actually do this? Because we don't right. want to create any model hysteria. Was this the one that was supposed
1: to happen last week?
2: Yeah. And this, yes. So we post it, and the first thing that came back almost instantaneously was 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 this nice nice viewer who basically just just logged in and said. I hate it. Right. And it was just, yeah. it just so. And, and so there was just this huge collection of just, it just brings out that, that in right. everybody. Right. So right. I love the emotion in there. It's, it's uh, that never gets old. That's
1: a good point. And, and I remember though, that post that was created, it was done. So in a way that it didn't appear that, Oh, they want snow. They absolutely have to have snow. It was just given the facts on the ground, sure. you know, here are, this is not a forecast. These are weather models. Um, and that's probably a good thing for us as we go forward to post educational topics, you know, here's what a weather model is, you know, here's, you know, those are things that people who are on the outside looking in is there's a bunch of people that are passionate about weather, but they don't have anywhere to go to talk about it. You know, I found that to be the case. I didn't know. I mean, you got to pay for a a prescription. Yeah. You need to pay for that too, (laughs) but you have to pay for a subscription, you know, to different outlets. What were you going to say, John? Well, one of the things that,
2: that you're talking about is that from a pure educational sense, Mm -hmm. there's so much of these models that are, that are these different views that are going on behind the scenes. Uh, The closest, I guess most people get to seeing it is when they'll throw out a, here's where the hurricane's coming. And you've got, 20 lines going all sorts of different directions all over the oh, coast. Right. And, and so you, that's their first, ex, you know, maybe exposure to a model weather mm-hmm. models. And so you've got all these that are going on all the time and they're moving around. And, and, and one of the things that we were trying to put into words, I'm not sure that we, it, it, that it's uh, how possible that is, but we wanted to give people the sense of you should see what's going on and how hard this must be for the, for the, for your paid forecasters mm-hmm. Um because it's 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 there's so much happening. I mean, at one point in time, I think the Thursday before that that storm, uh, the last one we, we we were supposed to, you know, they, uh, well, they, they were talking about getting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. when you were very vexed about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. Um, <laughs> The it was looking on some of the models yeah. that we were going to get eight, eight to, 12 to twelve inches of 12 snow inches, yeah. like, uh, within, like, like within like within forty eight to seventy two hours of the event yeah within forty eight hours of the event and so it 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 turned out to be a bust in our I area was so happy I'm but the kidding. next no, but the next two storms that came through there were three back to back to back right and you see the exact same thing that came through in the the northeast and they had a huge push. Oh, Everybody look at It's going to be and It's going to be awful. They canceled 8,000 flights, which... A lot of cost there, mm-hmm. and then it turned out to be nothing. And so the the models were showing a lot, but what ended up happening well, was, yeah. was 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 kind of different. It so that's educational. Out. Well, then, go
1: ahead. Yes,
4: well, please. I was going to just jump in and and say, from a layman's perspective, watching the news over the years, you know, here locally anyway, that I I noticed they never really talked about the models much, but recently mm-hmm. they talked more about the models, probably in the last five years than they ever have. No, that's and, true, and, and and that's why I I love the page because you guys post all. All that information. Yeah. So you can get it in real time just about any time because you guys are posting it. And it's almost the same stuff that they're putting on as these professional meteorologists. Yeah. Now, it's they-
2: got to be like WebMD. For yeah. real doctors, yeah. it must, it, watching weather models come just 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 fly all over the place on social media it must just 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 you know uh, that's got to be yeah, a love hate relationship true. for your your weather forecasters.
1: That's such a good point though with with the way the weather came last week. Like when I was gone to Florida, and I remember when y'all posted this, and you know John was pretty adamant. This is happening. <laughs> I remember I mean, you felt like this. It, it, that's not exactly how you said it, but I know you good enough that you. Thought this was going to happen. And David also concurred. I remember, but this was internal. This was an internal conversation. We would never have posted. This is absolutely happening. But I remember because, you know, I've been looking for a snow all winter. And here you guys were. I was getting ready to go to Florida and you guys were all giddy about six to eight inches i was i was so mad and so but i was hopeful for them at the same time and then it did not not end up happening and so i had these mixed emotions i was sitting down in florida i was looking at the radar i was like these guys got nothing you know well one
4: like, of my friends posted on facebook on friday he says i've never thought i'd ever ask this question on facebook but should i mow before the snow
1: or after the snow <laughs> <laughs> well and i don't remember what were the local meteorologists saying in this last event
3: um i believe that they were they were going conservative but i think at, at, at most maybe four inches or so
1: mm-hmm. um, i yeah because i remember um todd Howell, i he was actually surprisingly aggressive i thought in his forecast and he's usually the most conservative and i don't know what matt said i, I just happened to see that come across so they were conservative
3: yeah they <laughs> were conservative and i think that um The reason that this whole thing happened was the one model that we usually look at for um, short, medium range is the NAM model. And Mm -hmm. it goes out to 84 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually when you see that model indicating a consistent, um, whether it be rain or snow, over the course of five or six model runs, and not just at the 84-hour mark, but at the 48-hour mark, you can say, okay, this is almost a sure bet. And then for that to happen, that it totally doesn't about face
1: um, is just... um, It was shocking, actually. It it was. And, you know, um, this has been five years ago, but I I actually found Matt Hinkin's cell phone number. And I think I brought this up during the show. I can't remember. And I was like, I was so mad because another snow had went by, and it didn't happen. And this, when I first started my sort of love hate relationships with the love with the with the models and so i called him and he and i said matt why why are the models always so wrong i literally asked that you question. just called him at home yes i called him on his cell phone <laughs> and he said he said well you know what he said they are 72 hours and beyond it's a very low low percentage but he said you get me within 48 hours he said i have about a 75 to 80 percent which was still, you know, there's still 20% chance that it's going to be wrong, but he said the confidence level is very high within 48 hours. So I was very surprised. I'm being tuned out by my producer, so we're going to continue right after these messages.
0: housing hour with kevin ray continues helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it again kevin ray
1: welcome back into the housing hour kevin ray here i'm here with mark griffith our executive producer and co-host i'm also here with the co-creator and co-founder of the east tennessee weather page john Lindsay, and newly hired hand david Manuel for the east tennessee weather page he is um our resident expert if you will um, but we're talking just about weather. We're talking about our passion for it. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there who have this this passion for weather. And, um, you know, I've done some, some silly things in my history. And one of those is whenever uh, tornadoes, if you guys recall, back in 2011, we had a lot of activity. And I remember, you know, certainly was not a storm chaser by no means. They probably would have thought I was crazy. But I was out there. Trying to get a picture, I wanted to get video or a picture of a of a tornado, and it's such a very difficult thing to ever see a tornado. I mean, it's like I was out there looking for it. People are scared to death of them, but I was actually actively looking for it. That that tells you the um, sort of difficult nature of weather forecasting, because there's no way you can predict where exactly a tornado will come up. Um, But really quickly, I was going to tell you guys, you know, weather for me since 2003 or 1993, rather, when that event happened, I loved snow prior to that. And I can remember many different snow events. Um, And there was something about, you know, when the snow occurred and you had your family there, you know, and you had the hot chocolate. And there was something about this camaraderie that was felt within the family. You know, so we were all together, we would all go snow, you know, sledding and you would all come back and and it was almost like weather was a moment to have everybody come in and it stopped the world for a minute, you know, and you got an opportunity to really sort of, you know, fellowship with your family that, that wasn't really available in other events. You know, if it rained outside, people were still going to go and do their thing. You know, dad was going to go to work. Mom was going to do her thing. We were going to go to school. But it was something about this weather event, this, this winter weather event that was very endearing. And it was, it was magical in a lot of ways. And it was beautiful, you know, and it was something that God created. And I love just looking out my window. You'd be like Christmas, you know, you come down, like seeing the presents at Christmas and you would see this just snow, just blanketing the, the whole, you know, area. And there's something so mysterious about it, but beautiful. And that's where my passion really started. Um, and you know, over the years, my passion has grown, um, because of technology, um, before it was, you were dependent upon the weather channel or, uh, Margie Eisen (laughs) or whoever it was that was feeding you the information. I was certainly interested in that. But once you started getting the raw data, that's when it really became real for me because, you know, now I can have the data that the Matt Hinkins are looking at, the David Aldridge's are looking at. I'll never come to the correct conclusion by any means. And I still have a lot to learn, but I think that that as, as my life has sort of grown, I I think that's where my passion has grown most is from, because of technology. Um, you know, uh, David, you were talking in a thread with us when this latest storm was coming and you had mentioned, you know, I really want to see the data, look at the data more closely when the storm actually comes onto the coast and you know if it's 84 hours out which is when the nam model you mentioned that it's just there's several different model types um you can google it we're going to do some posts about it as well but the nam is one of the short-term model runs that um people feel pretty confident in because it has the most current data um, but anyway, you were talking about, let's see what happens when it comes onto the coast. Can you talk through why that's important and what that means? In the coast, you're talking about like California or Washington.
3: Right? Sure. Yeah, the um, the idea is that we send up weather balloons twice a day at uh, uh, predetermined places across the U.S., and they take readings all the way up through the atmosphere from the ground level up uh, to, I guess, probably thirty fifty thousand 50,000 feet, and they grab the the... Humidity and temperature and the pressures and, and all of these, uh, this information that they're going to plug into the models later, mm-hmm. and that this happens, they call it zero Z and twelve Z. Um, that's Greenwich Mean Time, which is for us now is um, five hours mm-hmm. difference. But um, off the coast of California, we don't have that kind of sampling. We don't have many stations, and so the models are kind of re- relying upon maybe the stations that were in the uh, Asian continent. Mm-hmm. and not as many stations in the Pacific Ocean, and so it's it's kind of more of a guesswork. Mm-hmm. When this storm comes on shore, all of a sudden you get more sampling, better data, which is going to give you a better model, and I think in this particular storm, that's what uh, swung us toward no snow. Mm-hmm. All of these models remember, were saying yes, that, and then um, as soon as that first couple of model runs came through, after the storm came on shore, that's when the NAM did its about-face and it started dropping those totals completely away.
1: Mm, yeah, that's it, it really it was amazing, and um, you're right. It was, it was that change, and the one thing that you can point to is that the sampling was from over land, from our stations. So you, you're telling me that the way that they create these weather models is based upon information they gather from balloons? That's correct. We put a man on the moon, we can't. Send something up more sophisticated than a weather balloon. What about a drone, for heaven's sake? No, but I'm kidding, sort of. But, I mean, it's an old-fashioned weather balloon. Remember, one landed in Roswell. <laughs> but seriously, um, a weather balloon, and it's not like a balloon that you could buy at the market. What is a weather balloon exactly? Is it made of what? Like,
3: I'm not sure the fabric that they're made, but they're mm-hmm. lightweight, filled with hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And uh, they attach a small, they call them radiosonde. To the balloon via string mm-hmm. and they... Uh, via
1: string. Very technical yeah, term. Yeah, string. <laughs>
3: um, and they, uh, when they send it up, it just reports back. I think they do recover some of those. Sometimes they don't recover them, oh. but I, I believe the, the data comes back via radio signals so mm-hmm. that they can grab it just in case they can't find the the unit after the balloon because it pops. Basically, sure. it just uh, it goes up until it can't go any higher and the pressures cause the balloon to expand and pop and then it just falls down to the earth.
1: Mm-hmm. Um when I've seen some videos on YouTube, when people are testing like mm. GoPros and different, and it, cause I mean, these weather balloons pop and they have a GoPro on it. The proof was this thing will, when it hits the ground, it's going to be recoverable. And so sure enough, you know, these GoPros have been built in such a way that they're recoverable, but the, the views that you get as the weather balloon goes up, I mean, you're basically in space. It looks like almost when it gets to its highest altitude, it's pretty amazing. Um, so weather balloons is how we get the data. When it comes in, it's done by radio signal, we think, to the station so that it can calculate. It. It's not going to get be able to retrieve the weather balloon every time. Um, then that's plugged in to the different various weather models, which then creates the weather forecast. Because when somebody, when David Aldridge or Matt Hinkin or anyone else, they're not going to take the NAM or the GFS or the European model and just say, Oh, here's my forecast. So wh- what, what do they do? Why don't you take that one day when they, they're looking at all this data, but then they have their own sort of proprietary models as well. That takes all this information Do you know how they come up with their forecast in layman's terms?
3: Well, a couple of things they do. Uh, One, they do have one model that's not available to the general public. You might see them uh, talk about the RPM model. Mm -hmm. And that is one I think that they purchase. And it it is mostly designed for uh, TV stations who do weather forecasting. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is the one we don't have access to. But... You could say uh, that they do an average of the models, uh, but that's not real accurate either because I think they have to use their expertise in meteorology mm-hmm. and and past um, – they call it synoptic forecasting mm-hmm. and look at the past, and, and they try to get analogs sometimes. You can say, well, the last time that this particular setup happened when there was a low pressure coming off of the west coast at, at this time frame, and you try to find some sort of storm that kind of mimicked that in setup and say, okay, is this going to be an analog, and is this storm going to play out the same way that that storm played out?
1: Mm. And that's why, you know, like David Aldridge seems to me to be pretty accurate, but, you know, he's a new guy on the block, you know, he comes from North Carolina, and then you got a guy like Todd Howell, who has been around for years and years here in this area, so I always am interested to see their different forecasts, because it's sort of like, okay, this is Yoda. You know who's been around for a long time I know how to weather forecast and then you've got the, the new Jedi Knight that's trying to become that um, and I'm, I'm always interested to see how they come up with the weather forecast because I've been on other forums before and I've seen you know people are yelling somebody needs to do a, uh, a weather advisory somebody needs to do a winter weather storm advisory you know because they think because they know everything they think that one needs to be you know placed And sometimes weather people, John, you know, when I look out and I listen to these weather forecasters, sometimes I feel like they wait too long to alert the public one way or the other. What do you think about that?
2: I think especially in this area, it's it's really difficult because you've got what tends to play out across the United States. Uh, Mm -hmm. as, As David was saying, you know, once it hits the, you know, once it hits the West Coast and it starts, you know, marching across, you've got hours you know to do you know to 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 forecast it and and get the word out once it hits the east tennessee area it's we talked a little bit about this uh, uh earlier it's such a unique oh, geographical yeah. right. location that that you just you have i can see the challenges obviously of of it being difficult to pinpoint that mm-hmm. and then be able to 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 communicate that to everybody uh yeah
1: well, when we get back from this last break, we have one more segment, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about how East Tennessee is positioned. You might be listening to this show in China because we're worldwide through the, pod, through the podcast, but um, this area that we base our page from, East Tennessee, is a very unique setup, and it's part of the reason why the Manhattan Project was actually based out of it because of the, how we're situated within the region and within the mountains. So we're going to talk about that right after these messages
4: you hurricane. you like
0: The housing hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again. Kevin Ray,
1: welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I'm your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host, and we have in with us some great guests today. We have the East Tennessee Weather Page team. Um, we have David Manuel. We also have John Lindsay. Um, and you guys play instruments at Faith Promise. What do you play? You play the electric guitar? I right?
2: carry one around no, all over the stage. He's incredible.
1: You should have heard this guy. I tell you, it was a few years ago. And what was that song that you sang that, remember, you know which one I'm talking about. You belted it. Don't try to act like you. That was your moment. Man, it was incredible. <laughs> it was a rock and roll song. It was not a like a Christian song.
2: We've done We've done a lot of, we've this, covered like Journey this, songs and Boston songs. I don't songs. remember, Love but one. he
1: belted this thing out, and I was like, that was impressive. But he's a great electric guitar player. And then, David, you also as well, right? I
3: attempt to play some bass and keys.
1: Bass and keys, okay. Um, And that's you guys are phenomenal. The church that we go to is Faith Promise. It's it's a great church. We'd love for you guys, a little plug for them, to come to Easter service. We have like 45 um, different services that weekend. Um, But anyway, that's where I knew John from. Um, But we were talking a little bit before we went to break, and we were really keying in on weather models and how it is these forecasters forecast. And we were also, uh, during the break, talking about ni- in 93. And I remember, you know, I sent you guys that documentary um, about the 93 storm. And I remember uh, watching something similar to that. And the weather forecasters, it was not obviously when, when weather models came out. But they were, you know, technology was evolving. And everybody was seeing the these high numbers these you know they were saying oh 12 to 15 inches 19 inches whatever and the forecasters nobody expected it to actually come true it and i wish that i could go back and see what some of the forecasting was have you done that anybody
3: no i haven't yeah
1: i think that would be interesting because i i promise you i know for a fact what they did do, though, since it was such a long event, is that they quickly revised their forecasts and said, yeah, we did just get six inches and quickly there's another storm coming in. you know. And I think that's sort of how they did it so that they didn't look too inept because and nobody would have blamed them. I mean, nobody could have predicted this other than the weather models because the weather models were right in this instance. I remember that being the case. It was showing a large event. But but it was in March and people were thinking, well, no, there's no there's no possible way. Um, But it actually did happen. Um, But to the point of when people are out there looking at these forecasts, there's so much that goes into them. You know, what could someone do if they're interested just to have a free look at the weather models? What do you guys use and what could they if they if they wanted to some people would just come to our page, but some people might want to look at the weather models. I use a free one. Actually, it's a premium. I don't know if I, I can't remember if I paid for it or not, but the one that I use, um, which I actually love, and I think you guys do as well, it's IWXM Pro. Um, it's this app right here. And you can, it's the instant weather maps, and it's fantastic. So I can go in and look at the premium content, so I can look at the animated loops. Um, you can go out 360 hours with the GFS model, which is, is that sort of the American model? Is that... One of the American models, I guess? Yes, yeah,
3: so that's the main American model, the okay. long-range one. It goes out to 16 days. 16 days. They're okay. actually um, upgrading that model in April, I think. Mm-hmm. And they, right now they call it the GFS Para for parallel. Mm-hmm. And they're supposedly going to turn that one on and turn off the old one.
1: No kidding. Well, maybe we can start getting better accurate forecasting, possibly.
3: Maybe. Uh, you know, the uh, the European model is the one that holds the record right now. I'm just, I have some data in front of me here. Yeah. Over the last 30 days... Uh, the European model has verified 92% of the time, and the GFS 89% of the time.
1: When you say verified, how far out?
3: This is uh, within five days. Okay, and it's only one specific uh, portion. It's the 500 uh, millibar anomaly correction. You know, because there's so many different things you could verify or not verify, whether it be precipitation. But a lot of our weather is driven by that 500 millibar height. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking farther out into the future, you can kind of look there first mm-hmm. to determine what the general pattern is going to look like.
1: When these national forecasters say three to six inches, like you were mentioning, AccuWeather and Weather Channel, are they taken into account? I mean, because, John, we have such a unique landscape you have the Cumberland mountains and then you have the smoky mountains and then you have the Tennessee Valley. So we're in the Tennessee Valley. You're, you're a little higher up on the Valley, I guess, but you're still in the Valley, right? Powell's still in the Tennessee Valley. Yeah. Yeah. But you can see the, the plateau cause you get more snow than we do, which I'm jealous about. But, um, I, I save it for you in the refrigerator. Yeah, exactly. I remember when I drove up to almost Kentucky that <laughs> one <did>. time because <laughs> I wanted to see some snow. Reporting live. Yeah, Oh, that's right. I did a Facebook live video. But what was it? What is it about our area that makes it so unique?
2: Oh, gee, there's so many things. I mean, uh, uh, y- y- you, you want to y- phone a friend? Easily. Yes, please. Um, But you've got the, I mean, the the Cumberland Plateau is, 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 has just has us whipped by elevation. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, you know, and then you get down into the valley where it's in the, you know, hundreds of feet above sea level, Mm -hmm. as opposed to thousands on the, on the plateau. And then of course, you know, east of us into the mountains. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you almost have to have a perfect storm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just a, a this is huge. I mean, not to not to you know play on the pun there, but mm-hmm. it, the temperature's got to be right. The moisture has to be there, uh, mm-hmm. and you just have the uh, the the airflow and the mass coming across and and dipping down into the valley, and then of course the turbulence going up on the mountain. It's just there's just so many different. Listen things to happen. you, Mister Weatherman. And it seems like what happened. I, I read it from it, a book
4: when it comes across <laughs> the uh, the plateau. John, it's, it seems to me when I'm looking at the radar, especially when there's, you know, uh, rainstorms coming or it looks like it's big, mm-hmm. there's red cells in it heading this way. And then it hits the mountains at the Cumberlands and it just breaks apart mm-hmm. and it doesn't come into the valley too much. Which, is, which is great for and most which is people. great. It's yeah. protected. But why
3: is that? Is it because of the mountains or is yeah. there wind? Well, you'll notice that most of our weather comes in from west to east. Mm-hmm. And so it usually has to travel over the plateau like to get that. to us. And, and the basic tenet of storms, severe weather, is you need something lifting the air in the atmosphere to produce instability. And so when you have falling air, you have stable air, and when you have rising air, you have unstable air. As the air mass moves over the plateau and comes into the valley... It starts falling and becomes more stabilized. I've never heard that before. That's kind of what. See, John John that's said. interesting. <laughs> John did not
4: say. John did not
1: say that at all. No, but he did <laughs> add to that. But that's a good point because that's why when you see these storms, the weather storms, like in '93, we were talking about this off air too. You know, it was coming from the Gulf, and it was coming, and there was nothing stopping it. the 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 air instability, I guess, was was succinct all the way from, I mean, Chattanooga got 12, 14 inches. I mean, you know, it was just, in and there's nothing to stop it. All the way up through Blount County, it, the, the valley got smashed. Cleveland's Dome got smashed. Everything got hit that was in that valley because of where the storm came from. And is it true also, one of the indicators is where the storm comes in from the coast, you can almost draw like a line that that's where it will exit. Have you ever heard that before? I heard that from, um, I think it was, Henry Margossetti. He was with AccuWeather. If you don't know him, he's great. I used to listen to, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I just picture you taking notes. Yeah. Just,
2: Seriously. I love that.
1: The guy is amazing. He's Henry, Henry Margossetti. He works for AccuWeather. He is their severe weather analyst. And he, and actually I, I used to communicate with him by email. And he would, he would reference me sometimes. He said, I've got eyes in Knoxville and here's what's happening in Knoxville. It's pretty cool. But, Um, you know, is there some truth to that? Have you ever heard that?
3: No, I mean, there are some patterns that, that typically are followed because you have uh, a general west east flow systems that are coming out of the Gulf tend to want to move across, uh, Georgia, South Carolina, and and that type of path. Mm -hmm. Um, but there have been some storms in the past that have come through the, the opposite direction.
1: Yeah, well, that's, didn't, true. No, th- that's
3: true. Didn't the 2011 come
1: in from the east? The Clippers, the Clippers that come from the north to the, the south. The
3: 2011, I believe they were um, coming from southwest to northeast through the valley. Because oh, when yeah. it hit my house,
4: it hit on the east side, and that was so unusual for me. Because well, uh, yeah. it always comes in from the west.
1: I remember that storm very clearly because it was, I remember Birmingham getting killed. I remember Chattanooga getting a bunch of tornadoes and cumberland mountains i mean there was a bunch of tornadoes going there as well i mean i was scared to death i was watching um wbir at the time sorry to give them a plug but i was watching them and i was i was just like could not believe how many potential tornadoes were out there and then the hail that came was if you recall i mean we're talking about it was it was half dollar size hail if not bigger with with horns on them. yeah, they had horns on them. They and had two horns. little red eyes. <laughs> <They've>,
4: <laughs> no, they did. They looked they, like those little did. chain. What do they call the the uh, things back in the old days with the uh, ball with the the spikes on them?
1: Right. No, they, and they devastated many many homes and a um, lot of cars. Our roof was completely lost. I mean, it didn't come off, but you know, it, it. We had to get a new roof. Our our deck. We had to get new windows, new gutters, and all that stuff. Just and to was, watch my
4: car go um, through that was so disappointing. The Maxima. All of them. Yeah. They were all in the driveway. They all got nailed. He had
1: one in the garage, and he pulled it out. He said, oh, I'm going to get this insurance. No, I'm kidding. I'm
4: kidding. I don't have a garage. So that's why they're on.
1: The- I'm joking. Um, well, guys, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you guys taking time. From your busy schedules and coming in. And uh, we look forward to having you on again. Thank you guys so much.
3: Thank you for the opportunity.
1: And we want you to go to East Tennessee Weather Page on Facebook or go to migonline.com. We can't help you with weather, but we can definitely get you into a home. Thank you guys. See you next week.